You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Um, this month, we'll be doing a teaching series um, titled Digging Deep. Amen. And um, you'll be having me for this whole month for the public services. So, Pastor David, I crave your indulgence. Permit me to teach God's people for the midweek services in the month of this month. We will start by hitting the ground running. <laughs> I'm just joking. And then we keep running. Media team, please make sure um, we are streaming and if because of network issues, the stream isn't clean or clear, make sure there is a proper video recording of this meeting and an audio recording. All right, I want to make sure that these teachings are preserved. Hallelujah. We'll start with fundamentals of spiritual growth. That's part one. Fundamentals of spiritual growth. Jesus is Alpha, He's Alpha and Omega. Jesus is Alpha, He's Alpha and Omega. So I'll praise Him for He's Alpha, He's Alpha and Omega. So I'll praise Him for He's Alpha. Alpha and let me hear your hands. Say Jesus, Jesus is a, He's Alpha, Alpha and Omega. Jesus, Jesus, come on, He's a, He's Alpha, Alpha and Omega. So we'll praise Him for He's Alpha, He's Alpha and Omega. So we'll praise him for he's Alpha, Alpha, and sing Jesus, Jesus is a, he's Alpha, Alpha, and Omega. Jesus, Jesus is Alpha, he's Alpha, Alpha, and Omega. So I'll praise him for he's Alpha. For the last time, sing Jesus as loud as you can. Let me hear. He's Alpha. <laughs> Jesus, Caesar. He's Alpha, Alpha and Omega. So we'll praise Him for Alpha, Alpha and Omega. So we'll praise him for his Alpha. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 to 9. Then we'll read 18 to 23. Matthew 13, 3 to 9. Then we'll read 18 to 23. I'm going to have a special meeting. It's going to be a special Sunday service. 
very soon, I don't know, I think within the next two or three months, and it will be for songs. We will spend some good time singing. We would record some songs, but I want, I want us to do, you know those old devotion songs? Those good ones. And we'll spend some time just singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. It's a way to keep full of the Spirit. Hallelujah. All right. Matthew 13, 3 to 9. It says, And Jesus spoke a parable, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed some seeds, fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places where they, they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. Say, they had no deepness of earth. No root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. The one that received the seed by the wayside heard the word of God, the gospel of God's kingdom, and didn't understand it. So the wicked one came and snatched it away from his heart. And if this was a minister's meeting, I would have, at this point, taken the time to emphasize on why it is therefore important to make sure we, we speak with plainness of speech in order that the hearers understand what we are saying. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because the line between or, or what saves the hearer from having the seed being snatched up is, number one, understanding. Are you with me? It says, but he, verse 20, that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon, that is immediately with joy, receiveth it. But yet he hath no root, or yet he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation, say tribulation, or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Say unfruitful. Verse 23. But he that receiveth the seed in good ground is he that heareth the word, understandeth the word, bears fruit, bringing forth some a hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. Listen. The entire month, I'm going to be taking you on a discourse on spiritual growth. But let me start with why it is important. Listen. If the gospel you heard is not allowed to take deep root in your heart, when the cares of this world come, it, 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 it's not maybe you will get lucky and it won't affect you. No. When the cares of this world come, they will choke what you have heard. 
they will choke what you have heard. You find Christians who, or people who heard the word of God, started coming to church. Then there was a terrible or a season of affliction, a terrible time or season of affliction in their lives. And then they just abandoned God and left God. Many times, the devil is in, he's very smart. He knows how to highlight or he knows how to dress dead bodies. It's what he does. Make dead bodies look attractive. And so somebody would leave the church or walk away and he would say, my eyes were finally opened. The major issue here is there was no spiritual growth. It's not enough to be saved. You must grow. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not enough to be saved. It's not enough to say, dear Lord Jesus, I accept you coming to my life. Um, I accept you as my Lord and my personal Savior. It's not enough. There must be conscious and intentional growth. You must understand the gospel and protect it. Allow it to take deep roots in your heart. Ah, if it doesn't take deep roots. <laughs> Listen, it is not... First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says that there was a gospel that you have received and he says you should stand on it. That is, you must, your salvation or, or the, the science of salvation is that you are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. That's it all. You are saved. So when you read the Bible, right, you see those three tenses used. There's the past tense, the present continuous tense, and the future tense. You are saved. He has saved you. <laughs> the Bible says he brought you, past tense, out of darkness. So you are saved. You are being saved. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And you will be saved when um, Titus says that we would, be, we would receive the promise as heirs of salvation. We will. The earnest expectation of the creation awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. It's future. So what does that mean for you? It means, while I have been saved and I've got the Holy Ghost, the salvation was from sin. Is that correct? Which means while I am still on this earth, I must allow the Holy Ghost help me overcome sin. So I, I, that is, I am being saved from sin. Do you understand? And one day, this body of sin will be done away with completely. And a new body will be given. Then I am now fully saved from sin. So what I have now is a substance of things hoped for. Do you, do you get it now? That's why you are saved by faith. 
Are you with me? So, right now, my salvation is a substance of what I hope for. What is it that I hope for? That one day I will no longer be held bound by the passions and pleasures of the flesh. Are you with me? So, right now, what I have is a token that what I hope for is possible. Together? This is why surface Christianity will not be enough. God calls every one of us to deeper Christianity. Every one of us. The problem though is many people don't know what spiritual growth is. Many people think that spiritual growth is responsibility in the local assembly. That's what many people think. Spiritual growth is responsibility in the local assembly. So, um, I lead the choir in my church. Therefore, I must be spiritually grown. <laughs> now, make no mistakes. A good leadership practice would be to give the spiritually grown responsibility in local assemblies. But not everyone who has a responsibility in local assemblies is actually properly spiritually grown. Are we together? Some people think spiritual growth is casting out of devils. Couldn't be more mistaken. The Bible says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will. That is, once they believe, in my name, they will cast out devils. Whether the one who has believed is, whether the one who has believed is grown or not. Once he has believed, he will cast out devils. That's what the Bible says. Because casting out devils is not a function of growth. It's a function of authority. And the child of a king is a prince. Whether he's a toddler and, does, and knows how to talk or not. And so he has the authority of the king. Is that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you with me? So spiritual growth is not manifestation of spiritual gifts. Now, as you grow spiritually, there will be growth in the manifestation of spiritual gifts. But there are people who can master spiritual gifts and are not grown. They are still babies. And I will show you characteristics. I will show you stages of spiritual growth wherever that leads us. The first stage of spiritual growth is the baby stage. The baby stage. What is the baby stage about? Or what, what happens in the baby stage? How do you characterize the baby Christian? 
The baby stage of spiritual growth is the salvation stage. I think that's very easy to understand. The salvation stage. Are you with me? So, for instance, you read John chapter 3, verse 3 to 7. I was, I was meditating on, on this teaching. And it occurred to me that the first time anybody ever used the word or the phrase born again was Jesus. So, now we've gotten used to the phrase as an allegory. That is, it means this. That we don't actually stop and think about born again. He wasn't saying you need to be saved. As much as he was saying you need to start again. There has to be a newness to your lifestyle. A newness to who you are. You must become a baby again and grow up in a different way. Do you understand? That's, that's the, the salvation promise. That God didn't come to repair faulty people. He replaced faulty people. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, the promise of salvation is the promise that you can start again. Rebirth. To be born anew. And this is, many people don't understand that there are demands that come with being born again. <laughs> are you with me? So for instance, if there was a way I used to think before and I'm born again, I must reckon that the person who used to think that way has died. I'm different. I'm a new person. God didn't fix your thoughts. He gave you new ones. God didn't fix your heart. He gave you a new one. Are you with me? So, the, the salvation experience is not that your heart was black and then God washed it. No. Your salvation experience is that your heart was a heart of stone and he took it away. And gave you a heart of flesh. So, you are different. You are born again. Like a newborn. And literally has to learn how to sit. You must train your child to sit. In fact, that's even, that's even far. When a child is born, most children don't know how to hold up their heads. So you must help them hold the head up. Train them to hold their head up. That is this thing we are just doing without thinking. You must train them to hold the head up. Are you with me? Then when they've learned that, you train them to sit. You train them to eat. <laughs> this is the first stage of spiritual growth. The stage where training is required. The thing, the problem is many Christians start and end their lives in that stage. They never go beyond it. 
they never go beyond it. You read Hebrews chapter 5. And Paul is speaking, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who it is. The writer of Hebrews is speaking to the Hebrew church. And he's saying to them, by now, you ought to have become teachers, but you are still babes. You still need somebody to explain the fundamental principles of the faith to you. Then he starts chapter 6 like this. He says, leaving the elementary principles behind. Let us go on to maturity. I will spend time talking today about the baby stage. And if I have time, we will cross into maturity. Are you with me? Listen, hear me very well. The goal is to transition you properly from infant, newborn, toddler, son, mature. That's the goal, to transition you through it. There are common characteristics of children. Number one, sin. Sin is a major characteristic of infancy, spiritual infancy. The love for sin, pleasure in sin. I'm not saying, I, now first of all, let's, let's um, stay here. I don't believe in sinless perfection. The Bible doesn't teach it. That you will ever get to a point where you no longer struggle with the desires of the flesh. There will always be that struggle for the desire. In fact, Romans 7 teaches as much. However, the difference between an adult and a child is the struggle. The adult has started learning how to overcome and the struggles have become less. Are you with me? The struggles have become less. But the infant, though, any shiny thing that passes, he wants to put it in his mouth. That's infancy. Sin. And you see many conversations like this in the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 9. He says, and besides giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, so not if they be in you. Because now one will argue. Well, the Bible says the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, faithfulness. All these things he mentioned. So, it's already in me because I already have the Holy Ghost. That's not enough. He says, if it be in you and abound. That word abound in the Greek is the same word that is translated into exceedingly, abundantly, above. Upa periso upa. One of those words. Exceeding. Abundant. So, I will have kindness in abundance. I will have patience in abundance. I will have meekness in abundance. He says, if these things be in you and abound. The goal is that they abound. I will have love in abundance. 
There is joy in abundance. Do you get what I'm saying? It says, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord. Now remember Jesus' parable where he talks about how there are some who when the word of God comes, they allow the cares of life, choke it away, and therefore they become unfruitful. Do you, do you remember? Peter says, if these things remain in you and abound, then you are very fruitful. You will not be barren in the things of the Lord. He says, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he hath been purged from his sins. He that lacketh these things, he says he's blind. He can't see far. The, the blindness is not um, likened to... Um, the blindness is not likened to a man who was suddenly struck blind. No, no, no. The blindness is likened to when a baby is born and the eyes are still closed. The baby can't see. The same way he that lacks these things, he can't see. His eyes have not been opened. So he can't see. He can't see. Number one characteristic of baby is sin. We always we are chasing you up and down. You are every time we have Q and A session. You are the one asking why is it wrong to go to club every time. Every time Q and A is kissing a sin. Every time. When will you grow up? When? When? <laughs> These are the important things. He that lacks these things, he has forgotten and he is blind. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is it right to wear this? What is wrong in wearing this? You see those conversations every day. You see them. It's babies, babies. The, the real problem is the refusal to grow up. The refusal to grow up. Like, just think about it in natural terms. And you would see that. You would just be able to draw the parallels. It is, it is babies. When everybody's compla complaining in, in real terms now. Complaining about the foil hike. Complaining about real life issues. Babies are still wondering why Ben 10. They changed Ben 10's character from this person. You're like, you don't have issues. You don't have problems in life. When we should have moved on from the issue of dressing, we are still being dragged back. And the question is not, it's just ridiculous. Babies, when will we grow up? When will we grow up? On the subject matter of sin, when will we grow up? What is sin is sin. Can we agree? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Babies always want to have the best of both worlds. 
I know that I've been called out of a life of sinfulness. But oh, there are some sweet things that I left behind. Can I be a Christian buddy? No, ma, you can't. No, sir, you cannot. <laughs> There's no balance. <laughs> no, but this, this is it. Listen, I want this teaching series to be as practical as possible. So that you know what's going on. You want to, you, they are the ones who always want to make Christianity fun. See, my ministry is to make sure that people see the fun side of Christianity. No, that's nobody's ministry is that. Nobody has that ministry. Nobody. is the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. That's what all of us have been called to do. How? By the preaching of God's word. It's not my ministry to make sure that people know that Christians can be cool too. We can have cool songs too. No, no, no. It's babies. You, we always, so a, a baby always wants to have the thrill and the, the feeling that that sinful nature used to provide. He always wants to have it. Always. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Another major issue or characteristic of the baby Christian is deception. And interestingly, this deception is with respect to sin. Deception. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Ephesians 4, 14. It says that we henceforth be no more babes. Did you see that? Children. The children there is not kids as in offsprings. No, it is immature babes. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Listen, hear me. Deception is one of the major challenges of the baby Christian. He is saved. But the baby Christian will not sit down and accept doctrine. The baby Christian is always looking for what sounds great and nice. New Rema. They go where it is exciting. Statistics. Research has shown that the fear of missing out is one of the biggest contributors to the growth of churches in our time. The fear of missing out. I'm telling you, the fear of missing out. That's where it's happening. Ah, am I going to circle church? We heard that is where it is happening. Yes, the fear of missing out. Babies. We're having, you see, a flyer. First of all, I'm not going to be kind <laughs> during this teaching series. I will speak very freely. <laughs> if as a Christian, by now, you are not able to hear someone teach and identify 
That's not correct. You are a baby. There is no two ways about it. You are still a baby. Like you hear a teaching and you're like, hmm, that's not very correct. You are a baby. If every preacher you hear, every single, no matter where you hear the preacher, every preacher you hear is making sense to you, you are a baby. Is what Paul says. The baby is tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Today, somebody will... <laughs> hey, Jesus. As a Christian, you see that thing people do, it depends on how you look at it. We don't have that though. We have only one way to look at it, the way the Bible said it. Do you hear what I'm saying? If the Bible did not say it, then you are not right. I don't care who it is that is speaking. I don't care who it is that is speaking. I have friends who I respect in ministry. If you say something, if you go and miss I will correct you. With love. But I will still correct it. If everybody you hear preaching is preaching, ah, say, ah, oh, my man. You, what did he say? There's a way he just did it. What exactly did he say? Or more, you needed to be there. What did he say? You don't know. You are going about every meeting. I don't discourage going for meetings. But <laughs> don't just go to somebody's meeting because you hear they have prophecy. <laughs> because you hear that they got people's uh, phone number and details right. There is such a thing as the spirit of divination. I talked about this miracle service in January. Who remembers? There is such a thing as the spirit of divination. It's a demon spirit. Listen, it sponsors accurate information. No? Yeah. Accur- How does an Ezemon know your name and your plan? If you think they don't, you are deceiving yourself. Oh. I think this is one of the fundamental problems of the Christocentric movement. We like to deny some realities. You say, there is no such thing as deliverance today. The Bible says, you have he delivered. <laughs> context, context. When he said, you have he delivered, what was the deliverance referring to? Sin, salvation. Make no mistake, demons were not part of that. You say, no, no native doctor has power over me. I'm seated far above principalities. And past. There was a girl possessed by a spirit of divination in Acts 16 that followed Paul about for three days. You know the way the way we think is once I once I step in, they check out. Listen, we have that authority, but if you don't, uh, the the bane of Christian realities is knowledge. If you don't know, you will not experience it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So there's such a thing as the spirit of divination. I told you one time of a man who um, had a meeting. People came for the meeting and he led them in meditation for five hours. Man of God. Meditation, I'm not talking about they were talking God's word. No, they were quiet. Music was playing. Um, Five hours. 
people left there, they were seeing things, hearing voices. It's not everywhere you go. These are the points of maturity. It's only a baby that when he's crawling on the floor, he will see a dead insect and want to eat it. As you grow older, depending on where, there are places where your food will fall, you will not pick it. You, you will look at it and just have devil. You can enjoy that one, eh? <laughs> I'm done. A child wants to pick everything from the floor and put it in his mouth. Don't be a baby. Don't give in to deception. Do you hear what I'm saying? Somebody took time, taught you God's word. You like, you know the kind of teaching that you read through as they were teaching you, you were seeing it. You knew this is what it was. You went somewhere or somebody said something. You now come back and start saying, but I heard somewhere. Are you okay? There are things that when you finish hearing it, you say that's just beautiful nonsense. And you stand up and go. This doesn't mean you dishonor the person. This means you, you didn't say what was right. <laughs> the baby is easily deceived. There was a time when the grace message was becoming popular. Some charlatans would stand up and say, even if I die on the bed of fornication, You are a false teacher. That's exactly what you are. If you ever speak that way, you are a false teacher. And you see babies in those meetings. What are you snapping at? We don't, listen. Apollos was a man of Alexandria. Eloquent and mighty in scriptures who taught accurately the things of God, though he only knew the baptism of John, who when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they called him aside and taught him. So Apollos was an eloquent, charismatic speaker. When Apollos should divide word like this, you already would tear. But he had limitations. A grown-up Christian knows to look beyond the homiletics and listens to the doctrine. I know you know how to put... You know, some people are wordsmiths. They know how to make things sound nice. You listen beyond that and hear what is being said. Are you with me? He's digging deeper now. <laughs> These are the things that we'll probably not see a lot of time to talk about in the Sunday service. Who dedicates midweek services to talk about it? Stop jumping up and down. Stop listening to eight preachers to know me by. Seven of those preachers don't agree on the same subject of grace. Seven of them. And you wonder why you are not growing spiritually. You are confused. You are very confused. And no, you can't do that thing. A lot of people will say, no, I listen to this one for relationships. I listen to this one for finance. I listen to this one. If you hear him teach on the Holy Ghost, my God. I listen to this one on grace. No, you can't do that. You know why? As a preacher, I know this. Your, your, 
your fundamental belief about the grace message affects every other thing you teach. You can hear it. Listen, I listen to a man of God who will sometimes teach that God favors, but he didn't believe in it for a period. He had teachings on God favoring, but didn't believe in it. And you can tell because when it is time to teach um, on God's favor, he has a whole teaching sermon on it. But when he's giving examples in other teachings, he mocks people who trust God for, um, for financial favor or supply. He doesn't believe in it. He's teaching it because he's meant he ought to. He thinks I need to teach this. But he doesn't believe in it. And I found that this man is, see, on every other subject, great teacher of the world. I found that I started to disbelieve God for financial supply. <laughs> you can't listen to, oh, I listen to this man for prosperity. I listen to this man for this. I listen, mm -mm, mm -mm. You can't do that. You can't do. <laughs> you can't do that. Because his viewpoint on the gospel will influence his teaching on marriage. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, when a man teaches and he understands husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. He understands that statement that Paul is calling men to sacrifice their lives for their wives. When a man who has that understanding teaches, his definition of wives submits to your husbands will be different. Are you with me? But when the man doesn't know that, his definition of wife submits to your husband will be lordship. The other person will think of service. The other one will think of lordship. So you can't say, I choose ah, this man on grace, powerful teacher. I don't really know much about his marriage ministry. But if you listen to this man on marriage, powerful teacher, God doesn't call men into specific ministries. God called every man for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Anybody who holds a microphone to preach is to equip the saints. So, I have a grace for prosperity. Is not true. Or, or is not what God called you to do. Not necessarily that it is not true. There are certain people that when they speak on certain subjects, you, they have a depth of wisdom in it. I agree. But, fundamentally, they were called to preach the gospel. Are you with me? Eight preachers to know me by. Some, eight preachers to know me by. You listed eight preachers, your pastor is not one of them. What is wrong with you? Now, I'm not, ref I'm not referencing anybody in Circle Church. I, I didn't really, you know there's a way Circle Church people use Twitter. We pretend like we don't see what is going on on Twitter. And I love it. <laughs> People will be fighting, we'll just pass. And then if we want to tweet about something, we'll just say what we want to say and go. Love it very much. <laughs> Seven pastors to know me by. Your pastor is not one of them. You sit under this person's teaching every Sunday. Maybe you don't understand. That person has the biggest influence on your spiritual life than anybody else. People don't get it. I remember, 
I, I, I once held a discipleship class. Uh, this was, I think, 2020. And when people gathered around, whenever I hold an external discipleship class, I like to ask, who is your pastor? You know. I asked this lady, who is your pastor? And she said, Mike Todd. Now, bear in mind, she's, she was in Lagos. Mm, Mike Todd. You know Mike Todd, no? Transformation Church. Lovely guy. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, how can he pastor you? You, you attend another church here in Nigeria. <laughs> and she's a worker in that church too. So who is your pastor? Mike Todd. How is he your pastor? Do you know that when people come and meet me and say, I want, I want you to mentor me, I ask them, what does mentorship mean to you? One, two. What, are my res- what, are, what do you expect from me? What are my responsibilities towards you? Three, what are your responsibilities towards me? Let's be on the same page before we start. Because some people, mentorship is we need a therapist. Can we be honest? We are looking for who to come and cry to when we want to cry. It's not me. <laughs> Go and get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> are you with me? Don't be deceived. Let's go further. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 to 6. Be therefore followers of God as their children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and had given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. But fornication, say fornication, fornication, and all uncleanliness or covetousness, say covetousness, it says, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. Listen, listen. I think this is a long lost art in the body of Christ. Listen, there are certain things that must not be named amongst us as Christians. It mustn't. Covetousness as a Christian, never. You must never see something somebody else has and want it so much. That you begin to hate that person. Never. And don't let the devil lie to you and say, if that's happening to you, it's okay. Just avoid the person. No, the problem is not with the person. The problem is with you. You, you, you need help. You won't solve it by avoiding the person. Go and look for help. Grow up! Don't let fornication be named amongst you. Do you hear what I'm saying? The devil will make... Listen, the de- I told you, he's a master at masquerading dead bodies to look nice. So he will make these things look like it's culture. It's part of life. We were watching a series yesterday in the house. And um, at some point of the series, the man and the woman, they've loved each other, they've proposed some days to the wedding, and they, they're about to spend some time together. And then the man asks the woman that, would you like to wait till your wedding night, you know, for us to get intimate? And she says, why would I? Like, what kind of stupid question is that? And in my head, I'm like, nice one. I can see your hand, devil. I can see what you are doing. Making it sound like this is what should be the normal thing. Don't let it be named amongst you. It's what the Bible teaches. And he says, neither filthiness 
nor foolish talking. Say foolish talking. There is the kind of speech that is unbecoming for the believer. Foolish talking. You want to make a joke out of everything. So you don't know, you don't have boundaries. You say me, I just say it as it is on my heart. Your heart is dirty. That's the problem. Because if your heart was clean and you are saying it as it is on your heart, then it's clean things that will come out of your mouth. Foolish talking. Some things, even your speech must be influenced by your faith. It must. You are not cool when you use swear words. You are held under bondage. You can't choose not to say it. You can't. Some people are speaking to me. Your pastor, you are talking that way. You know, I'm, I'm very, very friendly. And so people get comfortable around me. Some people forget themselves. Swear. The worst, see, the worst is, I, I was on an airplane. I was traveling to Abuja last year. And there was this young man, he sat beside me. Now, my policy when I'm flying is don't talk to me. Don't, just face your front. I will face my front. Let everybody just get to where they are going to in peace. If the Lord should lead me to talk to you, salvation has come to you that day. Are we? So I'm here sitting beside this guy. And then he starts, well, this is my first time in Nigeria. I was raised in America. I'm like, chief, I'm, I'm happy for you. I don't care. Like, and then you know when you have your, your so you're wearing earpiece. And then it's the wired one that you now remove it and hang it on your neck. Like, I just wanted to know that. And so this boy starts to talk about shorties, baddies, babes. That when, I, when he gets to Abuja, though, because we're going to Abuja from Lagos, it's going to shut down. It's going to uh, that he's inviting me to his party. And, and then um, his his Instagram. He's he's also a struggling artist. That can I like his Instagram page? So I said, okay. <laughs> What's your Instagram handle? And he gave it to me. Then he asked me, what's my Instagram handle? I spelled it out, at PST underscore OGA. It's like, oh shit, you're a pastor. <laughs> I'm so sorry, and I've been swearing. I'm like, see, bro, the problem is not that you were swearing in front of me. The problem is that you are swearing at all. And there's a bigger problem. You, you think it's okay to do it when nobody who is a representative of the religion you profess is around. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> Grow up. Don't let foolish talking be found amongst you. Do you hear what I'm saying? You are swearing, you are talking anyhow, words that are unseemly. We, when we hear you talk outside, we're like, where are you from? Say, me, I'm just real. No, you're under bondage. You learned, you learned it. It's true. You learned it. You, you trained yourself to start speaking that way because you wanted to look cool. You're under bondage. It says, no foolish talking, no jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man, who is an idolater, 
he says the covetous man is an idolater. There is a view eh, that the Bible has. Wherever we get to in this teaching, we'll stop, we'll continue next week. There is a view that the Bible has on covetousness that many people don't understand. When you want somebody's thing to the extent that that thing is the only thing you are thinking about, that has become God to you. It's idolatry now. He says the covetous man, who is an idolater? His covetousness makes him an idolater. Hallelujah. He says, um, hath um, no unclean person, no covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. See, we are grace preachers who and we know how to teach God's grace well. But I said this during the Refire Conference. If we teach you God's grace without teaching you consecration, we've lied to you. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching that denying worldly lusts. Do you hear what I'm saying? The, the appearance of grace brings you a teaching that you must deny worldly lusts. So you must turn away from that worldly lifestyle. You must. And yes, some of it will be hard and it will be a struggle, but deny it. Let us see that it is actually a struggle. Some people say, Pastor, I don't know. I, I, I'm just struggling with weed. I don't know. But you, you, you know they really struggle. Any little opportunity you find to express your madness, you express it. But I'm struggling. You're not struggling. You're siding with the thing. You're a baby. You need to grow up. Praise the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. By the way, abusers of themselves with mankind refers to homosexuality. Do you know? Good. He says, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor um, revilers, nor extortioners, none of them shall inherit the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. First Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. This one is very common. Many of you know this verse of scripture. I want you to read it. First Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. Are you there? Everybody read 1 Corinthians 15, 33 together. One, two, go. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts. Now, you were told that that scripture is primarily about the friends you keep. If you keep good friends, you will have good manners. If you keep bad, if you join bad gang, you will have bad manners. And in some way, in some way, that's correct. But that's not the context of the verse of scripture. Look at verse 34 with me. Awake to righteousness. Are you with me? And what? Sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He's talking to Christians. He said, don't be deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. 
The context of 1 Corinthians 15 was when he was talking about some people who thought that there is no resurrection of the dead. So just, you only live once is the basic teaching. What's all this heaven, heaven, suffer, suffer for what? Enjoyment in heaven. You've heard one charlatan speak like that. Uh-huh. They, that's how they were talking. So what's the point of suffering in this world? God gave us all things freely to enjoy. You are a false teacher. Then people talk like that. And Paul says, don't be deceived though. That kind of communication will corrupt your godly manners. He says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness. And don't let anybody deceive you that God doesn't care what you do. He does. Do you hear what I'm saying? He does. Sin is still grievous before God. It is. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. He says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Beware, lest any man spoil you. Listen, if there's something that you've noticed in everything that we've been reading, it is this. The knowledge of God's word and the gospel that you received when you became saved, you must protect it. Don't let anybody corrupt it. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are certain things that when people start saying it around you, you cover your ears. I'm, I'm not... You know how they say this movie is rated 16? The rating, I've not reached it. To listen to this thing you are saying, I've not reached it. It is curiosity that killed the cat. That is the truth. Somebody will come and tell you that they've discovered some Akashic records. And you say, ah, I must know, I must know. And what did they say inside? Why, why do you want to know? If you know, what next? What next? Why are you looking for, they told you that there is a book of, is it Thomas? They told you there is a book of Thomas, you are looking for it, why? If you know, if you read it, what's next? I I had, how many of you saw me last week um, at Thursday service? I was outside. I actually came for service, so then I met with this guy who is a Mormon. And so our conversation started. It's the entire span of the service. That's what I was doing outside there. And I ended the conversation by asking him, why do you need a book of Mormon? Why? Is the Bible not enough? (laughs) Like, from a logical standpoint, when was the book of Mormon written? AD 400. The last writer of the book of the Bible, bad as he been, some people argue it was AD 67, that's John. Some people argue, argue it was AD 95. So for good measure, let us say AD 100. Jesus died AD 30. If both books are writing about Jesus, does it not make sense that the people who wrote closest to his lifetime are the ones with the authoritative writing? If you have the writings of the apostles, why? Why do you need a book of Mormon? Why? That was written 300 years after. Why? Why do you need it? 
Say, what if there was something missing? How, how, how did you know there was something missing? Like, the, the apostles have written. Shouldn't it be that what the apostles told us is what we will take? And if they didn't tell us, then we don't need it. Listen, as a Christian, protect the sanctity and authenticity of the message that you heard. Don't let anybody spoil it. Don't let anybody spoil it. Nobody has a right. Do you hear what I'm saying? Good. It says, be, look at it. Many instructions. We've read like four or five now. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Protect your mind from deception. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Protect your mind from deception. There is an amount of naivety. I don't know if that's how that word is pronounced. But there is a, an amount of naivety that is required as a Christian. Now, I know, I know you know more than me. Is it in the Bible? This person will say yes. Oh yeah, show me. One person should just start doing some unnecessary gymnastics. I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm fine. I'm okay where I am. Are you with me? First John chapter 3 verse 7, finally, on, on um, deception. Then we move forward. He says, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. What does that verse of scripture mean? It means the man that does righteousness is a righteous man, even as he proves that righteousness has been bestowed on him. Does it make sense? So God saved us, called us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But we don't just go about calling everybody Hello, righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you don't do righteous, you are not righteous. The proof that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is that you do righteous. John says, don't be deceived. <laughs> see, don't see, don't take me for granted. Don't look at me anyhow. I can party hard, but you need to see when I'm praying. I don't need to see, I don't need to see when you are praying. This partying that you are partying now, you need help. It's not you, sir. It's not you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. These things I am saying are true. You need to hear them. He that does righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. That is, even as God has bestowed righteousness upon him. He that doeth righteousness, when we see your works of righteousness, ah, we declare you righteous because we can now see that God has bestowed. Aha. It's not audio righteousness. It's not. We don't call people righteous by faith. Mm -mm, mm -mm. We don't do that. Do you hear what I'm saying? We don't. You are righteous. You receive it by faith, but we will call you by works. For you are saved by grace through faith. He says, and that is not a gift, it's not of yourselves, it's not of works, less than it is the gift of God, 
not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. So are you saved? Yes. Show me by your works. James said, faith without works. What does that mean? I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. If I don't see the works, it's dead. A lot of people apply that to faith for material things. But how about your spirituality? How about your salvation? I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. But you're behaving one kind. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Don't be deceived. Hallelujah. How does the baby grow? How does the baby grow? Number one, the word of God. Number one, the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Everybody, I will wait for you. Open 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Do you know that the baby doesn't grow first through stretch prayers? I'm not saying stretch prayers are not important. Though. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying the baby Christian, listen, Every activity in the Christian faith must be taught first. Do you hear what I'm saying? It must be taught first. So you don't learn how to pray by praying. You learn how to pray by teaching. We will teach you about prayer line upon line, precept upon precept. Are you with me? A little here, a little there. So we will teach you about prayer first and ask you to pray. Because if you just tell a baby Christian, you need to pray, he will just go and copy patterns of prayers that he has learned from the wrong place. And James said, you ask and you do not receive because you ask to spend on your desires. He says, from whence cometh wars and fightings? Is it not your desires? Many people pray to fulfill their fleshy lust. Say, God, give me these bends. So that my enemies will not mock me. Who are your enemies? Your class has reunion. And you want to show up. You want to pull up in a white bear. So that they will know you have made it. It is your fleshy desires. See, Olua, everyone in my office. Uh, stopping my promotion. Die, die, die. <laughs> fleshy desires. Fleshy desires. When, when the current sitting president was running for presidency, the number of Christians that said, we'll pray, he will die. You want to pretend like you didn't think that thought at some point. <laughs> the number of people that say, that, let's, let's, that if Christians, I've, I've heard, I heard women and men of God say, if Christians can join hands and decree over the land, the man will lose. No, he won't. James already told us why your prayer won't work. He won't. The man will, he's, he will keep going for his checkups in the UK, but he won't die. <laughs> so you don't just call, you don't just call a Christian, a baby Christian, and say, pray. 
pray what? What does he know? There must be a solid foundation of the word first. Are we together? Solid, oh, solid foundation of the word first. You don't just tell a Christian, a baby Christian, you need to evangelize. What does he know? He will go out and be creating problems for us. What does he know? You see, this is, this is the problem with our generation. You have baby Christians who wake up and say, God has called me to ministry. You've opened WhatsApp group. I'm doing 10 days of discipleship. You need discipleship. You still need discipleship. You are discipling people. And listen, there is a stage of your growth that you get to that we can say, look out for your younger ones. Is that true? A mother will not leave a six-month-old and a four-month-old and tell the six-month-old to look after the four-month-old. Say, you are the older one. Take care of <laughs> the chaos you will come back to. You know, you know it's when, when you trust that, okay, these people have been trained. Like this child now. At least this child knows how to go and get water from the kitchen. This child knows how to keep places tidy. Hey, okay, look after your younger ones. I'll be back in ten minutes. Is that correct? And even with that, you know that there's an amount of look after that, needs, that still needs supervision. So we can't leave you for long to look after your younger ones. So look after your younger ones. I'll be back very soon. Don't do anything. Don't open the door for anybody. The look after I'm asking you to do is just make sure they don't fall from this chair. You can manage that, right? The end. You just, you just give your life to Christ. Three months inside church. Say, I have a ministry burning in my heart. Okay, I'm happy. If you have a ministry burning in your heart, sit down, get training, submit to someone. As you are being taught, when you understand, you now, oh, okay, this is the little I understand. Let me teach it. And then as you are teaching, ah, sir, this is what I thought. Is it correct? This is what I said. Is it right? Say, no, I have ministry. I'm going out. <laughs> And it's more pastor. <laughs> you know, there are people that... Are, are, <laughs> God, Jesus. You just... It's, this is true. You go, to, you go to certain places, you see people there, everybody's carrying the person on their head. You have a conversation with this person, I say, this person is a baby. This person doesn't know anything. He knows Nothing. So what is he teaching all these people that are carrying him on their head? <laughs> Peter said, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of God's word that you may grow thereby. Like a baby instinctively reaches for her or his mother's breasts, you must reach for God's word instinctively. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't get so fascinated by Holy Ghost meetings. It's God's word first. Teaching meetings give, they, they are more important for the newborn babe than Holy Ghost meetings because teaching meetings will set the atmosphere for the Holy Ghost meeting. If we don't have proper teaching meetings and we focus so much, and this is why as a church, you can't grow your ministry on miracles. You can't. Nobody will grow up. Nobody will grow up. <laughs> a couple of months ago, I noticed any smart pastor pray for me. Any smart pastor pray for me. 
So what I started doing is, when you come and meet me, pastor, pray for me. I will say, that's very good. So you will pray on your own now. Every night for seven days straight. Go and build your prayer life. So you say, you have a problem now. Pray. <laughs> pray every night from this time to this time. I'm not telling you that's when the prayer will work. Oh, but you need to learn how to pray. I can't pray for you. So go and pray. Hmm? When you finish, meet me. Do you know that in many cases, people never come back? People never come back. If you treat the church like a hospital, you will only have sick people there. If you want growing people, treat it like a home, like a school. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't turn what is meant to be a home into a hospital. The church is not a solution center. It's a home. A father provides in his home, not because he's a solution giver, but because he's a father. Are you with me? So when your pastor is flowing in spiritual things, it's not because he knows how to and he's God's call. Mm -mm. He's your father. He's your spiritual father. And God, alongside your training, will give you these things richly to enjoy as well. But those are not the major things. Are you with me? Mm Mm-hmm. As babes, desire the sincere milk of God's word that you may grow thereby. So, I want to grow spiritually. I want, you know, the number of people that will tell me, Pastor, pray for me. I really just want to grow spiritually. And I will tell them, it's not a prayer thing. No amount of prayer I pray for you will execute that thing you are asking for. A lady messaged me recently. I want you to mentor me. I said, that's very good. After we went through the whole, what does mentorship mean to you? I've settled that your, your head is in the right place. I said, I did a teaching series last year. It's called Teachathon. The playlist is on YouTube. Go and watch everything. If you have questions, reach out. When you have listened like that to God's word, there's something it does to your mind. Do you know that in your battle against sin, God's strategy that will empower you is not prayer. It's the word. That's why... You, have, you can't truly find somebody who is in love with God's word who makes a pleasure of sin. You can find someone that loves prayer though who makes a pleasure of sin. Because if prayer is not sponsored by knowledge of God's word, it will be sponsored by personal lust. Yes, Are you with me? Yes, I, 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 and that's just sin in itself. Prayer can be sinful. <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, Papa Hagen would sometimes tell about meetings where he'd be preaching and somebody would stand up and start giving a word and he'd say, you are in the flesh. Sit down. Sit down, you are in the flesh. Because sometimes it can be driven by flesh. Somebody can stand up and want to prophesy so everybody knows they can. And everybody sees them as something in the local assembly. Sit down. (laughs) Are you with me? So, good things can be done with wrong intentions. Prayer that is good can be done with sinful intentions. As much as I love to pray, and as much as in this church we pray, you will hardly see me romanticize the idea of prayer. So, (laughs) I remember something that happened last time. It, it, it was a slip-up. Because <laughs> normally I don't tell people how long I prayed. I went to Abuja. The last time I went 
to Abuja to preach. And I, my flight landed, thanks to Nigerian airline services, my flight landed by quarter to 12 in Abuja. So I got to my hotel by like past one, um, or to one in Abuja. Um, I, I grabbed a bite, something light to eat. So this is what happened. So I, I told the person, oh, I slept by four. So why did you sleep by four? So, oh, the flight landed late. I went to grab a bite. Then I prayed, then I slept. But I was praying from like to one till like past four. So he was like, ha, wait, did you pray? <laughs> so I was like, yes. And then he's like, ha, may we get to that level? I said, this is exactly why I don't tell you people how long I pray. Just pray. If you grow, you will pray long. Don't worry. Just pray. 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 When I was preparing for miracle service the other day, I was praying in the, in the parlor. I'd intended to just pray an hour and go to bed. I'd prayed before, so I just wanted to, you know, just pray a little bit, touch up my notes and go to bed. And I'm pacing the floor. I'm praying. My time is up and then the Holy Ghost says, keep praying. So I kept praying. I wasn't praying to, I didn't come and tell you people I prayed X, Y, Z amount of hours. So I'm ready for you people tonight. No. <laughs> no. It is possible to do good things with wrong intentions. Paul says, though I give my body to be burned, if I have not love, so I can sacrifice my life and have not love. Are you with me? This is why you must desire God's word above all else. You can't be in a church, in a ministry like this one where we place so much emphasis on God's word and you don't. Something's wrong. We teach you Sundays. Somebody, was, somebody came to my house during the week and I was saying, oh, uh, testimonies, drama, God's word. So they would do God's word for 15, 20 minutes. On a Sunday morning, God forbid. <laughs> on a Sunday morning. See, I understand time constraints. The compromise for me is maybe 45, 50 minutes. 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Sunday charge. <laughs> you know that that period of singing that we always do in church is about 20 minutes. Like before I come up to teach, before I start teaching, we, we worship a little bit. It's usually about 20 minutes. That's their entire sermon, God forbid. See, as, as a child of God who wants to grow, Look for God's word. Make it a lifestyle. You have, you have earphones that you are using to listen to music. You have all of those things. Plug in God's, let God's word be playing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let God's word be playing. Hack, you are doing mundane things. You are washing clothes, play God's word. You are cooking, play God's word. Are you with me? Uh, you don't have to play it and now open your, ch your church notes and be writing. No, just let hide it in your heart that you may not sin against him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let it just, let it be your subconscious. Do you get it? Because that's exactly how the devil gets into people's subconscious as well. Those worldly songs that are about sex, women, greed, violence... Nobody plays the songs and they are writing. So, this is, no, that's not what happens. You just listen as you are doing other things. Is that correct? And yet those ideologies are ingrained in your heart. So replace it with God's word. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
if you want to have a more robust prayer life, listen more to sermons. It's a, these things are secrets. Listen more to sermons. You know how many times in, um, during a Sunday meeting, the preacher is preaching and towards the end you feel like, like you're, you're already praying in tongues. It's the same effect. If you are listening to a sermon, it's the same effect it will have on you. It's the same effect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you permit me 15 minutes to take the next point? Point number two on how you grow. Pastoral care. Pastoral care. Pastoral care. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 to 2. He says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Though he be lord of all, but he is under, say, tutors and governors, say governors, until the appointed time of the father. Listen, Christianity begins with training. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you are saved, you should be trained. You should be trained. Your pastor exists for your training, for discipleship. Listen, I want to have a friendship with you. And I think, I think I'm very, very open. And for those of you who come around, you know that I can play. I, I like it. I like playing with my people. But allow training happen in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, your pastor is for your training. Training. A child, even if he is an heir, as long as he's still a child, he's not different from the servants. The father cannot entrust things into his hands because he's still a child. Just like the father can't, your, your father can't entrust. There are some specific messages that only you can go, can be, the errands, only you can be sent on in the house. You may have servants in the house, but your father would only send you. Most homes, the parents would only entrust the child with the ATM card and the pin. Is that correct? Uh, because you are a son. But as long as you are still a baby, your father can't entrust those things into your hands. And baby is not even just by age. It's by maturity. If your father cannot trust that if I give this person this pin, he won't give it to the servant. He won't give it to you. Are you with me? So, there are levels of ministry that God cannot entrust into your hand because you've not been trained for it yet. You haven't. And it's not him that will train you. <laughs> he will send you to a man and tell you, submit, learn. Grow there. How does a baby Christian grow? Pastoral care. Pastoral care. And I wish, I wish many of us understood what that meant. That Ananias and Sapphira can stand before Peter and lie. And Peter will say, you are lying to me. What right did Peter have to ask for them to give everything? He was their pastor. And listen, I know that um, 
there's a lot of church hurts that has happened because people trusted their pastors and the pastors took advantage of them. And I'm genuinely sorry, but this doesn't, the fact that there are bad drivers on the road does not mean you won't drive your own car. Is that true? Mm-hmm. So do not eliminate the ministry of the pastor in your life. If your pastor calls you and says, man of God, um, I want you to go on a seven-day fast. Mm? Take time out to fast this, month, this week you are entering. I, I, I feel like there are things the Lord wants you to learn. As you are fasting, listen to this message, this message, this message. Listen to it over and over and over again. You should, you should be submitted enough to say, okay, sir, and do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen, I'm not saying that regardless of who the pastor is, just do it. One of the things is, before you choose a pastor, you must discern his heart. Many times, Paul will say, you, you've seen my heart. You know how I cared for you in XYZ place. You know what my predisposition towards the gospel is. So you must discern his heart first. This is why our generation is in trouble. Some, one person, you have changed church four times in two years. You've not given it enough time. You get into the church, listen to the man's sermons. How are you discerning his heart? Watch what he's teaching. Watch how he teaches. Watch how he deals with people. Look, just watch carefully. And when you've watched and you see, this man has a good heart. I can trust my growth in his hands. Submit, sir. I, I, I'm coming to meet you. I, you are my pastor. And I, can, I, I think I can trust my growth in you. And when you've met such a person, hmm, don't let the devil talk you into wriggling out of training. If the man says, we are going to pray together, I, I remember at the beginning of this year, the Lord gave me an instruction and I gave it to the executive council. I told them, the Lord told us to pray every night for some hours until further notice. <laughs> I'm serious. It was like that. We prayed every night for some hours until further notice. <laughs> When father was noticed, we stopped. <laughs> we stopped. Some people, if your pastors will say, ah, how can he be stressing me? Doesn't he know that I have a job? <laughs> Are you not being trained? Are you not being trained? <laughs> Praise the Lord. For some, your pastor can look at you and say, you all these laws you have kept since your youth, but yet one thing remains. Go and sell everything you have and give it to God. I'm quoting Jesus now and the um, rich young man. Are you, are you with me? Yes. Don't go and say he's, he's trying to take advantage of me. No. Of course, he shouldn't tell you to sell everything you have. You know what I mean? But when the man has identified you have, you have a love for money that you need to tame. Don't think he's after your money. Especially when you have discerned his heart. Do you, and you can tell. When a pastor cares for his people, you can tell. You bring one kind of dangerous seed. He will thank you, then he'll ask you, how? Do you still have money at home? Let's talk about this. 
You can tell. When somebody like that calls you and says, your next salary, give it out. I don't know, just give it out. Preferably church, but give it out. Trust that he knows what he's saying. He's not coming after your money. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because some people, that's the remedy they need though. That this money that you love this much, carry it and give it out. Because that's how God will train you. <laughs> Say pastoral care. There are levels. Listen, it's not even levels. You can't grow as a Christian without pastoral care. God that gave gifts to men, and to some he gave apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. When God was, he, was, he knew what he was doing. And the Bible clarifies, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Which means the saints will not be equipped without oversight. What right did Paul have to say, I'm se- I sent XYZ person to come to your church and train you people on giving? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This other church abounds in the giving grace. I also wanted your church to abound in the giving grace. So I sent this person to come and teach you. What right did he have except that he was their pastor? Paul was speaking. He said, if we have sown spiritual things amongst you, don't we have a right to reap canal things? He said, but we will not exercise that right just so that your focus will be on God. I'm paraphrasing. So if your, your pastor has a way that he has decided, this is how I will train you and you will grow, submit. Of course, there are... Um, Boundaries. Um, it cannot be sexual. You cannot train you sexually. It's wrong. <laughs> that's, that's another conversation. It, of course, in marriage, your, your marriage with your husband should be submitted to the local assembly. And part of that submission is on those matters. But the pastor has no right then to now call you privately and start having conversations like that without your husband's knowledge. It's wrong. Are you with me? Uh, So there are boundaries. The pastor can't say, because of submission, do as I say, which I've heard people do. Take off your clothes. You now think, "Mm, that you are a charlatan. You are a false prophet. (laughs) Repent. But at the same time, when the man of God is not outside the boundaries of what God's word um, teaches, and he is not not going against God's teaching, he should be allowed to pastor you and care. You can't grow without it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One last verse of scripture, Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. It says, my little children. In, till Christ be formed in you. My little children of whom I travail in birth again. So there, there is... Now, Paul has preached the gospel to these people. Are you with me? But he continues to travail till Christ is formed in them. So, the pastor, I, I, I do this for many of you. Continue to check up. 
continue to follow up. Every once in a while, I'll just watch you from afar. Keep note of your progress. Ah, this person is praying. On a Sunday, I noticed you didn't pray fervently. I called you. Are you okay? What's happening? You're not praying like you used to. Um, you, you tweet somehow. Your pastor sees it. You will enter your DMs respectfully. I noticed that you're behaving like this. Change. You, you know what I mean? Good. Travel till Christ is formed in you. Many people don't know this. People, people don't get it. Your pastor sees. Especially the ones that are doing what God sends them to do. You're wondering why the pastor has not given you leadership opportunity. He has seen your heart. He knows that the moment he should tell you lead, that's the end. You are uncontrollable now in the church. So he will just keep quiet and be watching you. And he will, he will, he will call you. He will say, you need to tame this behavior. Sometimes they will say it subtly. Sometimes they will say it with their full chest. But fix this thing. Work on this. Stop thinking like this. Don't say, pastor is always speaking on me. No. The goal is still Christ is formed in you. Hallelujah. Bow your heads one second. Father, in the name of Jesus, let me experience true spiritual growth. As I apply the things that I've been taught, let me experience true spiritual growth. Go ahead and pray. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Father, thank you for the teaching. Father, the words that we have heard will remain with us. We will apply ourselves to them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Next week, I will continue from the second stage of spiritual growth. I will talk about sonship. What it means to be a son in the kingdom of God. What that, serve, what that term means. We'll, we'll talk deeply about sonship. And like I said, today we'll talk about the... Like we did today, we'll talk about the character, characteristics of sons... We will talk about challenges, that is the areas where sons face problems, the challenges of sons in the kingdom, and how sons grow in the kingdom. There is a prescription for growth for children, and there is a prescription for growth for sons. We'll talk about that um, next week, Thursday. So come, come ready for service, and we will have a lovely time. Please package your offerings. Let's wrap this meeting. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.